Welcome to another episode of In the Life of Sean Powers. He keeps you entertained on the morning show on My1043 in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. But what is he like after the show? Well, here you go. Welcome into another fine broadcast here of Sean Powers in the Life of Sean Powers podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the beautiful show here. I'm on the phone here long distance, so we I don't even know. I don't know. He called me, so it doesn't matter. He's being charged for this call. This is uh, my buddy Jim Snyder. I've known this guy for I don't even know how long. How long have I known you, Jim? A day and a fourth night. Yeah. Uh, whatever that means. Uh, a long time, I guess. A, a long, uh, a long time. Long, long probably, time ago. Probably, I think we met, actually, I think we met probably in the mid-90s. Yeah, it was like 1995. Uh, you stole my job. But anyways, we'll talk about that here in a couple of minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, Jim is a fellow radio broadcaster like I am. And uh, uh, Jim Snyder, everybody from Toledo, Ohio. Um, yeah, I met him back in the mid-90s. Anyways, Jim Snyder's on the podcast. Now, here's a cool thing. Jim is actually in his home studio right now, and you're recording this for your own podcast. Is that correct? Sure, why not? We'll just steal off of one another. Yeah, because we're lazy people. We that's what that's, that's right. What, that's what lazy people do. So yeah, I've known Jim since uh, the, like the mid '90s. And uh, go ahead and tell us how we met. Tell everybody how yeah. we met, Jim. Well, I should I should mention this. I'm not lazy. I'm a. Uh, uh, my notes here. Oh, I'm just lazy. You're lazy. You're lazy. Yeah. And thank you for that liner that I used at Tower 98 Radio back in the day. I'm a thief. I know there is. So I I met Jim Snyder when he walked into the studio uh, when we worked uh, at Yes FM at uh, Christian Hit Radio uh, back in the 90s. Well, actually, I worked there and uh, we, uh, we, uh, you know, knew a lot of the same people. You knew uh, Dave Campbell, also known as DC Bash. He was uh, the the, uh, program director at the time. And I had just gotten the midday position there at Yes FM. And then you stole my job from me, you little sack of love. Anyways. um, That's that's me. No, so you you came (laughs) into the studio because you knew Bash from working uh, with Bash earlier at other radio stations. And that's where I met you for the very first time. And I'm like, who is this guy? And we just hit it off as buddies right then and there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I had gone to work for, for, uh, for, for Bash at that point. Um, he had hired me to be his producer. And part of the gig was, okay, you need to do a couple of hours on the air. And, and I think you were going to come on like after me, like at noon or something like that. And then like two weeks into the gig, they let Dave go. And it was just, it was just one hot mess. And they called me and said, okay, we're going to make you middays. And I think Jeff and Vonda were going to do the morning show. And, and so like, I'm going to do middays and I didn't stay very much longer. I think actually, I think it was like a month that I was there before they let Dave go. Cause I stayed another two weeks and then I just, left it was like just to make a long story short it just wasn't going to work out and it's why i've never really talked about it because i was only there for like 15 minutes but it was funny because they brought you in and i met you we were you know we became buddies or whatever like instantaneous you know it's there's like certain personalities that you're attracted to and you know we we just became buddies and then all of a sudden they go yeah by the way uh sean uh he's taking over your job and then, so I went back to weekends and I was like, what the heck? And I had just become full time and I had benefits and all that. And then, so I was like, you stole my job. So this, that's like, it was like kind of an on running joke. And then, yeah, a couple of weeks later, Bash got let go. And then you just said, screw this, I'm leaving. Yeah. And well, then, and it was, it was an awkward, I'll be honest, it was an awkward moment when I remember walking into the studio the day that all this went down, that they announced that Dave was gone and, and, 
where, what my role was, and I know they had talked to you, and I remember coming into the studio and just saying, I am so sorry. I stole your gig, and I feel horrible about it. And you, you took it real well. I mean, because, I mean, this is just how it goes, and it's a hard lesson in this business to learn, to be able to just say, you know what, sometimes it just stinks, and you've got to, you just got to roll with it. But it was still kind of fun. I mean, I, you know, looking back, I mean, I still had another job, and I was I was fine with it. I was like, yeah, okay, it is what it is, whatever. Um, but uh, that, that's where I first met you. And then, uh, so then you ended up leaving Yes FM, and you did, went on to do your thing. But then we we just we started talking. We were buddies or whatever, and uh, you know. And then we met up again at another radio station a couple of years later over on Arlington Avenue. You were working on one station. I was started working part time at another station, and then we just we just we started talking again. And we I mean we just we've been we've been friends ever since. So and yeah. then and then uh, you were working on where were you were you working on WRQN at the time? Yeah, I was working at RQN. I had just, when, when we actually, when I realized that you were working down the hall, I had just started at RQN. It was like my second shift on the, you know, doing, you know, on the board, if you will, as they say. And for those, it's when you're running this, you know, in, uh, on, in, the, in the control room by yourself on the board, you know, there's no one there to, Okay, this is what this button does. Because you go through, uh, everybody goes through a training period, a little, mm-hmm. little inside baseball. Everybody goes through a little training. You come in with someone, and they say, oh, so-and-so's going to show you how everything works and how the format works and all that. Well, it was, I'll never forget this. It was my, probably my second shift. Actually, it was my third, because I did Friday night, and then I came in and I did... I don't know if I know. I don't know if I did Friday night, but anyway, I know I did Saturday, and then I came in and did Sunday night. They needed somebody to be a, what we call a board op, a board operator. Just we were running syndicated programming. They need somebody to sit there and push buttons. And I'm the new guy, and I thought, okay, I can do this. And what what happens? We have a tornado drop out of a thunderstorm over Adrian, Michigan, that kind of slipped down to the Lucas County, so they had to issue the warnings and everything, and everything just kind of broke loose. And if, if, you know, for those who don't know, when, when you get weather, severe weather especially, everything just kind of happens real fast. And you just have to, you have to react quickly. And I'm thinking, okay, I barely know where the, where the microphone button is and how to turn up the volume on my headphones. <laughs> and I'm having to give severe weather updates. And, and you're down the hall doing your thing. And we just kind of just, we just kind of just teamed up and just kind of helped each other through it. And it was, um, it, it was, it was crazy. Well, it's kind of funny too, because I, I, well, I do recall that night and I remember it was, it was just getting dark out and I remember the severe weather was a, you know, just West of us. And I'm like, okay, I go, this is going to get wild. This this might get crazy or whatever. And I'm on the radio working a smooth R and B radio and I'm all calm and everything. And you're doing the oldie stuff down the hall. And I'm like, okay, so what happens if it does get crazy and wild and you go, well, you just go on the radio and you do your thing. Well, then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. Tornado sirens are going off. La la la. The, the emergency alerts go off and I go, whoa. And then now this is the funny part because we had tornado sirens literally right outside the radio station on the, uh, on the telephone pole, literally right outside the radio station. And it, those things, when they crank those things up real high, yep. man, it was right. I mean, the windows were rattling from the sounds of the tornado sirens. It, it's a, it's an eerie feeling 
when you you know you let the with the emergency alert system do its thing you know the National Weather Service has issued a tornado warning for Lucas County in Northwest Ohio. Right, you know, right. Go through its, it goes through its opening. And so you let it do its thing, and then, you know, and I'm like, okay, I've got to go on and say something. So I put my headphones on, turn my microphone on, and I can hear the tornado sirens coming through my headphones. I know, exactly. And, and, and it's, it's kind of an eerie feeling. And I, I have to tell you, it was, a, I wouldn't say scary, but it was just like, you're just kind of like, you're locked and you're locked and loaded and ready to go. It's definitely nerve wracking. Then I went and got loaded after the show. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> we got liquored up during the show. There was bottles of alcohol underneath the No, consoles. there was not. <laughs> they were, they were, you were right. They were emptied by then. No, it just that isn't. Pretty much, no, but you know, you just, you just kind of go out and you do it. And it's just, and it's kind of eerie. Because you get on and you kind of do the, the the standard, you know, here's what you do, you know, if you're in your car, if you're at home, if you're not at home, you know, that kind of thing. That we've all learned, those of us who have been through it or lived where you are, where tornadoes are a little bit more prevalent, you know, because there are people listening to this that may not be in an area where you get a lot of tornadoes. And right. it's like, well, what do you do? So you go through the whole whole, whole routine. So yeah, it was it was kind of kind of crazy because it happened so fast. Where the wire service goes off, the EAS goes off. One of the guys from K100 comes down the hall. Actually, it was Cliff Smithers of all people happened to be in the building that night. He wasn't even working on K100 at that time, and comes in and says, "Yeah, they've issued a tornado warning," and you know, bang, everything happens, and you just kind of just you just go into auto mode at that point. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you just get on the radio and you just, you know, you just spit out the information and then, and, and, you know, and then of course me being, you know, newer to radio, I'm like, what do you do? And you just go, just get on the radio between each record and just give the updates, just give the updates. And, you know, we weren't panicking, but we were just, the excitement and the adrenaline was, was uh, definitely flowing. So, uh, I remember that night and I'll never forget that night, man. It was, uh, it got, the weather got wicked and it got wild and yeah, we didn't get a, we didn't have the tornado at the station, but it, uh, it got, uh, it got, uh, you know, it got really crazy. So I remember that. Uh, you know, from working with you in radio, and then I ended up uh, working at that station for about about another eight months to a year, and then you worked at that station, and then you ended up leaving. You ended up moving uh, a couple of years later, uh, and ended up moving down to Charleston, South Carolina, and then I ended up uh, moving to. Um, I ended up working for a couple of other stations, and we we stayed in contact through that time, and then I ended up going to. Um, uh, ended up moving to Charleston, West Virginia, with my wife, and uh, ended up going there for a couple of years. And we, uh, you know, we talked a little bit here and there. And then all of a sudden, bang! I ended up in Charleston, South Carolina, with you. Tell us that story. That's right. You, yeah, you you came down for a visit. We had been like, Sean, you got to come down and visit. This is great down here. I mean, you got the beach nearby and all these cool places to go and hang out. It's really cool. So you come down, and lo and behold, you sneak off and you have an interview with Bill Shannon and get a gig. <laughs> It's the promotions director gig that I was interested in, and next thing I know, it's like Bill calls me out of out. I'm out to dinner with with a girl that I was dating at the time, and I get this call from Bill, and he says, "I, I got to tell you something, but I'm afraid." I'm like, "Why are you afraid?" He says, "Well, um, I hired a promotions director," and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Who's it gonna? Who, who's the new promotions director?" And he says. Uh, you, you sitting down? I said, Bill, I'm at dinner. I'm sitting down. I'm at, I'm at Wild Wing. 
you know, which was our big hangout, as you remember. Oh, yeah. And he says, Sean Powers. And I just kind of paused for a minute, and I thought, okay, cool. And, and, and yeah, I was, there was a little part of me that was a little disappointed, and it was almost kind of like, well, you could have told me that you were bringing him in for an interview, but he didn't. You guys obviously kind of did your thing or whatever, and, and you know, went off and had your get-together and decided, you know, you want to come and work for me? And I mean, that's how it goes. And, and I was, I was not bitter about it. Yeah, I should, I would like to have the gig. And I talked to a couple other people in management about it and it was explained. This is why we did it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. There was reasons why you, why you couldn't get the gig. And unfortunately it was, it was the way when you understood why. And uh, I couldn't drive the van. They, they wanted someone that could drive the van and that's just, that's just how it is. But at the same time, I was thrilled that you were going to be coming and working with us because it was a it was a great place to work at the time. It Man, was, we had so much fun. We we had so much fun. We had a blast down there. Like the time where uh, you know I was driving the van, and of course I shouldn't have been able to drive the van either because I stepped the uh, the mass off the van. Do you remember that one broadcast I did? And I stepped the van or the mass off the van. Um, I, was I out vaguely. I vaguely remember that you were out. I don't remember where you were. I was at the plantation I, for with Bill. You were at Boone Hall or something. A Boone Hall plantation. Yes. It's a big, big historic plantation there in Mount Pleasant in, in suburban Charleston. And I remember you called me. And it's like, oh, man, I'm so screwed. I'm like, what's wrong? I snapped the mast off the van. I said, you called Willie? <laughs> no. Uh, no. And I said, I said, dude, just call Willie. It'll be all right. He'll be he, he, Willie, God rest his soul. I was so sorry to hear about him passing away. Uh, at the, uh, it was about a year or so ago. Right. And, um, and Willie, Willie, Willie was, was our engineer, by the way. He was the, he was the chief engineer, just the biggest, gentlest, nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. Never would hurt a fly. I have never met anybody more even keel in my life before or since. And he was just like, Oh, okay. Well, we'll take care of it. And you survived to see another day. And then I called Bill, our program director, and then I had to tell Bill, and Bill gives me a hard time at first. He goes, you did what? And I said, yeah, I, ripped, <laughs> I ripped the mask off the van, man. I go, am I fired? And he goes, we have insurance for that, dude. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Bill. But he gave me the runaround at first. That was so funny. So, um, yeah, we're talking with my buddy Jim Snyder, if you're just tuning into this pod. Well, you're not just tuning in, but uh, Jim Snyder and I have known each other a long time. And I'm just filling a podcast for this week because uh, Jim and Jim and I have been wanting to do this podcast for a long time. Uh, just catching up with an old friend from an old uh, an old era. Uh, I've known Jim for, gosh, man. So we're, we're working up uh, what, almost 30 years now that uh that uh, that i've known this cat here and uh i'm telling you what uh jim and i go back a long time and we've got a lot of great memories we're both from toledo ohio um we know a lot of the same people in uh, in the radio broadcasting industry and um so not yeah, too many left by the way <laughs> no every, everybody just seems to be moving on and uh you know dropping or they're like dying flies, one man. or the yeah. other they either either they either they quit get fired or they die yeah they're, they're just they're dropping off like flies i mean we just lost another one not too long ago um but anyways uh so back to charles so then, uh, and, and I remember this. Uh, this came down in December of 2004 when we we're both working for Clear Channel. We were there. Uh, we, we, I got there in September of 03, and then in December of 04, I remember Bill got the boot because of budget cuts. And then we we're all just like, okay, what's going to happen in January? January comes around. I got the boot, and then uh, you lasted a lot longer than I did, though, didn't you? 
I did, but my my exit from Clear Channel was strictly it, it was nothing to do with with the radio station. It was it was me, and because I was not making a lot of money at the time, I was eligible to get some benefits to the government because of my vision. Uh, for those who don't know, I am considered legally blind, visually impaired, or as I like to call low vision. And so I had been getting benefits and had been reporting to the government, you know, my income and everything, and they were all fine. Everything's fine. Yep, no, you're okay. You're good. You're cool. Because there are limitations as far as how much money you can make. Well, fast forward after January to the 1st of March, and I go to my bank account just to see, okay, wait a minute. No benefit check this month. Uh-oh. Wonder what's up. So I call and they say, yeah, you got overpaid back in January of 2001, four years earlier. And because of the rules, you have to pay this money back. You owe us $34,000. Whoa, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, it's, it's rather sobering and, and honestly kind of, scary when the when the united states government says you owe us money pay up yeah because they take it away yeah oh well they try well they 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 can't take from you what you don't have but it forced me into a major scramble where it's like i've i can't pay my rent my uh income has been essentially cut in half i've got to go home and on top of that, my dad was ill, was in the hospital, had an abscess on his liver. We didn't know exactly what was going on at the time, but he was ill. And then on the way home, when I'm driving up through West Virginia or getting into West Virginia, we get a call from my mom saying dad's in the hospital. So, and that's a whole other story. And I've explained that on my, uh, on my podcast, but yeah, I, I left on my own and ended up going back to Toledo, helping my mom nurse my dad back to health and just kind of putting my life back together and in figuring out what I'm going to do. So that was, yeah, that was the reason why I left Charleston. And it was, um, it was not a, not by my choice. I mean, I literally, I don't know if I ever told you this, maybe you might've caught this on the episode, but I explained it on my podcast. The day we pulled out of my parking lot at my apartment complex in the, in the truck, my brother came down and helped us move. I'm, I am literally just so emotional at that point. I had to turn and look out the window because I didn't want to see, I didn't want my brother to see me cry. Mm-hmm. I literally had to choke back the tears because it was, it was such a, I love that place so much and had such a wonderful time and made so many great friends that I'm still in touch with to this day. We've lost a few of those even hard yeah. to believe, but anyway, um, yeah, it was so. It, things all worked out, came together for a reason, and uh, yeah, everything everything worked out. It was all. It, the story does have a happy ending, but at the time, you're going, "What do I do next?" Yeah. So you went back to Toledo, and I went out to Rockford, Illinois, and then uh, from Rockford went to Chicago and Madison, Wisconsin, and then went to Flint. Uh, gosh, where else did I go from there? <laughs> where else did the wheel take me? And I went to uh, Boise, Denver, Fargo. It's all a blur. Yeah, it's all a blur. <laughs> and then we went to uh, Akron, Canton, Ohio, and then Terre Haute, Indiana. And then we ended up here in Mount Pleasant. We've been here in Mount Pleasant almost uh, five and a half years. And then you went from Toledo. Now, where did you go from Toledo? 
Actually, after you know, Toledo, I went back to Toledo. That was in 2005. I got hired at got hired back at Cumulus. I almost took another job. Did I tell you about how I almost got hired in the Caymans? You did. I almost went briefly, to briefly. Yes. Well, I had called. I had called a friend of mine down in Fort Wayne, Lee Tobin, at um, at Magic ninety five point one in Fort Wayne. And I had known Lee for a long time, and, and I said, do you know of anything that's going on? Well, he was his station was consulted by Mike McVeigh, who I was very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't have anything, but let me call McVeigh and see what I can find out. Well, I get a call back from, from Dave Popovich, who was part of McVeigh's staff at the time, and he says, stand by, you're going to be getting a call in about an hour. And I'm like, okay. And next thing I know, Mark Thompson from a radio station in the Grand Cayman Islands calls me and says, would you like to come and do mornings at a CHR in the Grand Caymans? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, no, I don't want to do that. No, no never. I no. love the snow too much in the cold. Never. I love the snow. <laughs> well, as it turned out, I didn't get the gig, but 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 I have to, just a real quick story. Um, I went to the Bureau of Services for the Visually Impaired I don't know what they call the agency now, but they're an agency that'll help if you're disabled or have a, you know, you know, in my case, visually impaired, help you get a computer and stuff and you know things that you need if you need some help doing your job. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to be good friends with the counselor or the the guy that would would help you with this stuff, and I said I really kind of need a new computer. Mine's getting kind of long in the tooth and et cetera, et cetera. And he says, Are you looking at any job prospects? And I said, well, between you and me and the gatepost, I'm looking at a job in the Grand Caymans. He comes flying out of his chair and he says, if you get that job, take me with you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and he says, we'll, we'll make this happen. And I'm thinking, this guy is willing to put his neck on the line because he is willing to buy several thousand dollars worth of computer equipment and a computer and send me not only out of the state of Ohio, not only off the continental U.S., but to a foreign country, knowing that I am taking the taxpayers' money with me. <laughs> Forget the government. You know, I don't, Forget, I, I'm not paying them back anymore. That's right. Well, I didn't get the gig, so it really didn't matter at that point. But I always thought that was just such a, a cool story. That was yeah. That is cool. That that is cool. That you almost went to the Grand Caymans. So you didn't go to the Grand Caymans, but then uh, so you stayed in Toledo for how much longer after that? I stayed for about fifteen, maybe almost eighteen months. I stayed, and during this time, I had met uh, somebody online who is now my wife, Sarah, and we had just started chatting and eventually started dating and doing long distance. The long distance dating or the long distance dedication. Uh, dear, the Casey, long distance, dear Casey. Dear Casey. Dear Casey. <laughs> this letter goes from Jim to Sarah. Well, no. Um, yeah, we, like we started dating. Because I need, I need a meal ticket. No, anyways, go ahead. I need a meal ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's always made more money than me, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. But we had started dating and we had struck up a friendship. And it was such a cool thing because she did not, we didn't know what each other did. I, when we, we were, we were chatting and so forth and 
It's like, what do you do? And she says, well, I teach at the Ontario School for the Blind. I'm like, well, wow, how about very, that? I'm visually impaired myself. Very cool. And I'm, I'm a disc jockey. And, but it didn't matter to her. We, we hit it off and then decided, well, we think we want to get married. So I started the process. I had been in touch with the radio station in Brantford, CKPC. Because she's Canadian, right? She is, yeah. She is born in Peterborough, Ontario, raised in uh, Sarnia, Ontario, and was now living in Brantford because that's where her job was. Okay. And it was one of those where it was easier for me to pack up my knapsack, if you will, and, and take my career to Canada because the radio station locally at the time was locally owned by uh, by a one gentleman and his family and he liked my stuff and they wanted to hire me and we of course went through the whole process of me being hired as a foreign national as they call it and going to Canada so I immigrated to Canada in November of 2006 on what we would say Remembrance Day here in Canada Veterans Day in the U.S., they are on the same day. And, yeah, so I end up going to work at, at CKPC in Brantford and going through the, the education process of learning Canadian radio, Canadian content, and also how the owner, God, uh, God rest his soul, Dick Buchanan, did radio. Because as we always used to say, those of us who worked for this guy, there is radio, and then there's CKPC, because he did things so different from so many people. And so I had to go through that learning curve. Oh, wow. And I've, I've been, that was going on um, uh, 16 years. That's, I've, that's, been, I've been here. That seems like a lot of fun, though, to, to just to be able to learn a different culture, not only a different culture, a different country, but just to be able to learn a different way of doing radio. Because, you know, here in the States, it's, you know, there's one way of doing radio and there's corporate radio. And then, you know, here in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, I, you know, I work directly for an owner and uh, it's done differently here. This is, you know, the way radio is done here is the way radio was designed to be done. And that is to serve the community's interest, to help our community out, to be and serve our community, our local community, which is the way radio is designed to be and that's why i love it here so much you know yeah and that's and i remember when you took that gig and i just i thought you're going to do well there because you're working for a local owner the corner office is not somewhere else it's down the hall right and and you can do things that maybe not a lot of other radio stations can do because you are locally owned and you're right it was it was fun at the time getting used to the just how radio is done in canada getting used to how things, you know, there's things you have to be concerned with and, uh, you know, just other, you know, and, and how an owner who was very, I guess what you would call very much a control freak who <laughs> would literally listen to the radio station 24 hours a day because he was so ill, he was dying of cancer. He, he would stay up at night because he could only sleep for like 15, 20 minutes at a time because he was, he was just so uncomfortable. But, he would sit up at night with a pad and paper and write down everything that he heard. And he would come into the radio station the next morning and just say, I heard Jim doing this on the air yesterday. And if he does that again, blah, 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 da, da, da. And, and I learned so many stories about how my boss at the time protected me from Dick because, and, he, and Dick didn't, it wasn't that he didn't like me. He did this to everybody. 
Right. He was he was he was dying of cancer. He was miserable, and he was going to be crotchety about it. And and my boss at the time was just really cool. Ted Lehman, a great guy, knew what was going on, and 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 he would. I guess, and I, I found out about this after the fact because we worked together later on in another situation, and he would say, yeah, Dick would come in and would be complaining about this, that, and I would just look at him and say, well, I told Jim not to do that again, and, I, and I'm going to go set him straight, so don't, don't worry about it, Dick. I'll take care of it. And, of course, he would never say boo to me about it. He wouldn't say anything. Yeah, and, and maybe it was just Dick's <laughs> way of just uh, dealing with his, you know, his own demise, you know. Uh, it, it was just, it, yeah. It, it was, and and I respected the man for what he had built, because this was a radio station that had been around since the twenties. His family had owned it practically from the beginning. Wow! His cool. mother owned it, and then he took it over, and and basically he was owned it until the day he died. And they literally, I mean, I don't think well, they actually they didn't, but they literally he worked until three weeks before he passed away, and. Um, but he had his way of doing things and you weren't going to mess with the way he did things. The only radio station that I could think of it, it's like, and there's Bon Jovi and you say you can't go home on CKPC, you know, and it, it was just playing Bon Jovi records, uh, you know, you know, living on a prayer and <laughs> giving this light, you know, full service delivery. <laughs> You know, and, and it was just, and that's what he wanted. You didn't walk up songs, as we'd say, like you walk up the intro of the record. You had to dead roll everything. You had to, like when he, he always had the news on every day. There was news every day. And uh, it, you had to hit it right when it was supposed to be on. There was very little wiggle room. If you were late, you get a phone call. Uh, you know, it was just, it was a lot of pressure at the same time. And I'm glad I went through it because I learned a lot about just myself and radio and just, you know, it's, it's through these kind of, um, I wouldn't say tough times, but challenging times you learn about yourself and you grow. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it, it seems like it was a fun experience and you know what, you have the memory and you know, you, you just, you, you have it to, to, uh, to move on. So obviously you're no longer working for this guy. He passed away. And so, uh, so where did you go from, uh, P, was it PKCC or whatever it is? Uh, CK. Yeah. CKPC. 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 <laughs> CKPC. Canadian yeah. radio station. I do. I do have a jingle here somewhere. I just can't get to it real, real quick, but I left, I actually left in March of 2008, and I had been there um, for a while. I had taken ill. I had, I had come down with a case, or I had been diagnosed earlier, but it reared its head. I had diverticulitis. It's basically where the lining of your colon is weakened, and it gets infected, and you get polyps in there and, and stuff, and it's just it's not fun. So so, I so, so so the bag of sunflower seeds I can't give to you. Pretty much. Well, actually, I can. <laughs> I can eat sunflowers. I can do all that stuff now. But at the time, I started this. It was it was. I felt terrible about it, but it was about maybe three weeks after I got married. I get back and I come down with a really bad attack, and it put me in the hospital for about a day. And they sent me a day and a half. They sent me home with some antibiotics, and I actually no, I was um, no, I was in for like, yeah, it was a day. I came home after about a day and a half. I came home. Yeah, I'm better. They're treating me with antibiotics. I'll just keep an eye on this. And then Labor Day weekend, 
I remember coming, I doing my Sunday show, and I just felt horrible. It it, it was getting bad again, and and I remember going on the air at six o'clock saying. If the good Lord is willing, the creeks don't rise. I'll be back tomorrow, folks. And my wife is listening, and she says, he's not feeling well. And so I go to the hospital that night, and I was in for over a week. Yeah. And they said, we got to you know, we got to do colon reduction surgery on you once we get you settled down, once your infection heals and you're a little more stabilized. So I came, you know, I came home, went back to work. And it was funny, the, the, my boss, who was a different guy at the time, he, my original boss who'd hired me had left. And so we had a new guy in there, and he had been in for a while, but he had a much different way of doing things than my original uh, operations manager did. So I come back to work, and he says, yeah, Dick's glad that you're back. He's glad you're feeling better. You might want to go say hello. So I'm like, okay. So I walked down the hall, go into Dick's office, and he's, he is at his desk, his back to the door, and I said, hey, Dick. Yeah. I said, it's Jim. Just want to know, let you know I'm back. I'm feeling better. And I hear this pause. Get back to work. Jeez, <laughs> thanks. Okay. I missed you too, Richard. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Richard, <laughs> pretty much. So, yeah. Um, so come Labor Day weekend, I come down with another attack. They put me in the hospital for a week. I get back, and... I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on, just kind of limping along there after what had happened. And so I said, I'm going to have, going to probably have surgery around Christmas or so. I'll, I'll know more when I have the test, when I do the colonoscopy. So I got through the colonoscopy and, you know, they finished the procedure and I'm laying there on the table and my doctor says to me, she says, okay. You want to do this, would you like to do this in January? It's like the very end of November. Would you like to wait and have this done in January after right. Christmas? He won't be uncomfortable. I said, no, I want to do this before Christmas. So I won't have to work on Christmas Day like I did last year. Because <laughs> if you weren't a, the morning guy, you worked whatever your shift happened to fall, you worked it. So I had to work on Christmas Day the year before. And I didn't want to work Christmas Day again. And so I said, okay, I'm having the surgery. And they're mad because he's going to be off over Christmas. And I came, into the, I came by the station to pick up something. And my boss was like, why are you here? And I said, I have to get something. I have to get some paperwork so I can submit it to the government so I can get some, some relief pay while I'm gone. And he thought, I, he said, you should be in bed. I thought you'd be laid up. And I was like, well, I'm not comfortable. So essentially, they thought I was lying. They thought I was just off having this wonderful time while I was convalescing. And I'll be honest, I was, but I wasn't feeling great. Well, you're off on medical leave, so. Yeah, I was not comfortable. I mean, I couldn't carry anything. I couldn't, it was hard for me to sleep at times. It was, it, I wasn't really comfortable, but I did go and we did go and see some people and some friends and everything and but they thought I was making the whole thing up as wow. far as just needing that much time off. So they fired you, didn't and, they? No, they didn't. Okay. No, but there was just this. But what had happened, I found a lot of this out after the fact through, through a fellow coworker a few years later about that part of it. Because 
after I came back, they said, well, we're going to do some changes. We're not going to put you back on your regular shift, but we're going to eventually move you. And I'm like, okay, where are you going to put me? Well, we don't know yet. And so the way they do things that this is like what I refer to as radio in Canada and CKPC. Dick didn't believe in hiring part-timers. He had one, but everybody worked a staggered, what you'd call shift. Some people, your days off might be Tuesday and Wednesday. Others might be Thursday and Friday. My days off happened to be Friday and Saturday because I worked noon to six on Sunday and I worked afternoon drive, as we call it, three to seven on Monday through Thursday. Okay. So And so that's just kind of how they pieced it all together. And the morning guys on the AM and the FM, because there were two stations, there was an AM and the FM. FM was, was kind of like a top 40 full service, and the AM was classic hits, which was a little more conducive to the, you know, here's, you know, here are the guess who on CKPC. 22 after 2 and 7 degrees. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> you know, that's how, you know you know, good afternoon to you. So that's that's how he liked that's how he liked it. But anyway, I get off the air. Um, I get off the air at one afternoon, and they had posted the new schedule. And here's what my schedule was going to be. I was essentially the afternoon guy on the FM station. That's why I was hired. Well, I was going to work Monday evenings and Tuesday evenings from seven to midnight. Wednesday and Thursday would be my day off. Then I would work Friday afternoon on the FM station from 3 to 7. And then I would do Saturday morning, 5.30 till noon, and Sunday afternoon from noon till 6 on the, on the AM. And I said to Sarah, we're never going to see each other. That sounds you like have a screwed a up schedule. To be, to do, you know, to be honest with. Well, you. that's how they did it. I mean, that's how uh, that would be a typical schedule at CKPC yeah. for a lot of people, unless you're a morning or, an, or a morning drive guy. Well, you know, as I've always said, and I've said this to you, it's his stick, it's his transmitter. He can do whatever he wants with it. So I went to Sarah and I said, "Do you have a problem with me quitting?" And she says, "No." And she says, honestly, I've never liked the fact that you had to work on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know, but it's, and, and she understood because it was a gig. It was a way for me to get into the country and, and make things a little bit easier you know, as far as for me to become more permanent, if you will, which I eventually did. So I went in and I gave my notice, which I thought was going to be a 10 minute meeting turned into a 40 minute meeting. And Basically, the owner say, or the, not the owner, but the, my boss saying, well, you know, I guess you do what you got to do, but I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to leave here. I'm sticking it out and da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, okay, Mike, that's fine. Good for you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, I said, I respect Dick. This is his station. He can do whatever he wants with it. It's his sandbox, and I've always lived by the philosophy, if you don't like the way the game is being played, take your bat and glove and go home. So I'm going home. Yeah, good for and, you. And, and got a call a couple days later and they said well if if you would you stick around for a month if we keep you on your original schedule and I said sure and then they called me back the next day and said well Dick wants to change the schedule as soon as possible so 
can you stay through the end of the pay period? Because I was leaving in the middle of the pay period. And I said, no, no thanks. You sure? No, no, that's fine. And so I go in on my last day. And I, you know, go, actually, when my last day was in the middle of a blinding snowstorm. And um, one of the guys on the air that was coming on after me, I was doing, after, I was doing a, a noon to six show on Saturday. They actually did adjust my schedule a little bit. I, they moved me from the AM to the, or from the FM to the AM, which was fine. I was essentially doing like afternoon drive on the AM station or, you know, two to six or noon to six, depending on how, you know, someone was off sick or whatever. But I did a lot of noon to six shifts during the week and on Saturdays. So I was off Sunday and Monday at that point. Well, Saturday we get this major snowstorm and one of the guys I'm still friends with to this day, Ken Carter, calls me and he says, dude, my car's broken down. I can't get into the station. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. And I'm thinking, I got to do, you know, I got to stay here until midnight and, and, and play. Because um, at, at, on, in the evenings, they had a thing called musical memories. And it was basically, they went big band in the evenings. And I like big band music. So I'm thinking, okay, I got to play music. I've not played in a long, long time. <laughs> well, he just was just pulling my leg, and he showed up, and <laughs> but it was it was it was a lot of it was it was it was an interesting place to work. I go in for my last day to pick up my paycheck the following like Monday or Tuesday or something, and they said, "You want some part time hours?" I said, "No." <laughs> so they were so they were trying to do everything they could to get you to stay, get me to stay, and I just like no, I'm done. I'm out of here. Thank you so much, and. Several months go by, and I get a call from Rogers Communications, which is up the road in Kitchener, and ended up going to work for them as their operations assistant, and just was there for two years, and had a, had a great time, made some friends, got to do some stuff I always wanted to do, and then I got downsized, like a lot of other people in this industry have. I yeah. walked in one day, and they said, um, boss wants to see you, and I'm like, Okay, and I knew what was coming. Yep. And they said, like, boss wants to see you now. I'm like, here yeah, it comes. Up. Here it comes. So I walk, I go to her office, and I said, you wanted to see me? And she looks up, and she has her face just sunk, and she says, yeah, um, can you just sit down? I'll be right back. And she gets up and leaves and comes back with the HR person, the human resources person. And I knew what was coming. And it was one of those surreal moments where, where your, your faith in God, your faith in Christ just serves you well because they're telling me that we've made some changes, we're shuffling some people, and we don't have a position for you anymore. And I'm like, okay, what, um, what, do, we need, what do we need to do to finalize this? And I will, uh, I'll how uh, much of my stuff can I take with me? And they said, well, you can take some, but we can't give you everything. I'm like, okay, we'll make arrangements to get you everything. Just sign, you know, make sure you sign your severance agreement and blah, blah, blah. And, and you'll, you'll be on your way and so forth. Well, um, you know, you know, so that was that and it was over, it was done with. And that was the last time I cracked a microphone on a terrestrial radio station in North America. So now you're uh, doing uh, now you're doing podcasting, and what is your podcasting? Uh, go ahead and give yourself a free plug. 
Yeah, the Jim Snyder Podcast, entertaining and inspiring conversation. There you go. There you go. We've gone like 45 minutes or so, and I got to use the restroom. So <laughs> every 45 minutes, I'm he's got to go tanko. He's got to use the potty every potty. But anyways, Jim, it's been great talking to you again. And, uh, you know, we, we finally uh, we finally made history because you're on a podcast with me, man. We've we've talked about it. We've done Woo-hoo. it. Woo-hoo. And we're going to we're going to be doing some more podcasting because there's some more elements that you and I need to fill in over the years. Uh, there's there's uh, some more specifics that we need to, you know, we need to definitely get into. But, hey, great t- like talking the, like to you the, here today, like, man. Yeah, like the time that I rode the rode the, the e-bike down the hallway at Clear Channel. We, um, we will talk about that. <laughs> my wife and I were just talking about that on Monday night, and, and there was a story behind that. But, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the time that you ripped, uh, never mind, never mind. We'll uh, we'll save that for the other podcast. But Jim, always great, always great talking to you, my friend. And we'll definitely be in touch. God bless you. God bless Sarah. And we'll see you at the next Michigan game. Okay. Uh, absolutely, my friend. The best to Patty and the rest of the uh, the whole fam, family. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely be running to you at the uh, at the next Michigan football game. You got that right, my friend. Take care and uh, hold on a second. Don't hang up because I got to talk to you off the off the podcast. And again, That's everybody, right. we got to talk off the air, everybody. Yeah, we got to talk off the air. We're going to talk about you guys. But anyways, uh, everybody, thank you for listening to this train wreck of a pod. No, it wasn't a train wreck. Jim, thanks as always, man. God bless you guys. We'll talk very soon. Thank you for listening to In the Life of Sean Powers weekly podcast. The views and opinions heard on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those views and opinions of Latitude Media, our sponsors, our affiliates, or My1043 and Buck92 Radio. Check out our website for even more podcasts from around the area. Just go to MyMichiganPodcast.com. It's podcasting that matters.